0: You're listening to Time in the Word. Imagine the scene. An entire nation gathers on the sides of two mountains to worship. Half the people stand on one side, half on the other. They worship responsively, alternating their praise. First, one group cries out to God, and then the other, with every man, woman, and child shouting in unison. This was the scene when the Jewish people crossed the Jordan River and entered the Promised Land. According to the command of Moses, six tribes stood on Mount Gerizim and six on Mount Ebal to form an antiphonal choir. Rather than singing in harmony, they recited a litany of blessings and curses. The tribes on Mount Gerizim blessed the people of God, while the tribes on Mount Ebal cursed them. What curses they were! Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image, Deuteronomy 27:15. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or mother. Deuteronomy 27.16 Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. Deuteronomy 27.19 Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. Deuteronomy 27.26 The Levites recited a dozen curses in all, and after each one all the people said, Amen. Let us listen as Dr. Gonzalez begins his study of Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through
1: 14. I'm going to read chapter 3, and I'm going to look at verses 10 to 14. Paul says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written, In the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham. ...might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Imagine the scene. You have an entire nation that gathers on the side of two mountains to worship. Half the people stand on one mountainside and half on the other. They worship responsively, alternating their praise. First, one group cries out to God and then the other with every man, woman, and child shouting in unison. Well, if you recall, this was the scene when the people of God crossed the Jordan River into the promised land. According to the command of Moses, and hold your place here in Galatians, and if you can go with me for a moment to Deuteronomy chapter 27. According to the command of Moses, six tribes stood at Mount Gerasim, and six tribes on Mount Ebal to form an antiphonal choir. Rather than singing in harmony, they recited a litany of blessings and curses. The tribes that were on Mount Gerizim blessed the people of God while the tribes that were at Mount Ebal cursed them. Now, I want to look at some of those curses in chapter 27. There's a total of 12. I'm not going to read all 12 of them. I just want to look at a Sampling of them. What curses were the ones that were being shouted by the tribes at Mount Ebal? Example, chapter 27, verse 15. Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image. Verse 16. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother. Verse 19. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless. And the widow, verse 26, curse be anyone who does not confirm, co- confirm to the words of, the, of this law by doing them. Now, like I mentioned, altogether, there were a dozen curses that were recited. After every single one of the curses that were recited, the people said what? Amen. Paul knew these curses well. Not only because he most likely read them in the book of Deuteronomy, but because he had also heard them recited during five memorable occasions. You recall in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 20, 24 I believe, he tells us of the five times Paul was punished by the Jews for preaching the gospel. And in that passage he tells us that he received each time he received the standard punishment which was what? 40 lashes minus 1. The synagogue manuals of that time required someone To read out the curses of the law while the prisoner was being whipped. So as Paul is being whipped, somebody is reading the curses of the law. I'm certain that when Paul received that final stripe on the back, he may very well have heard the very words that he later quoted in Galatians chapter three, verse ten. Be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. One of the very curses he heard while he was being punished is the curse that he himself now quotes in this epistle. That verse, when you look at it, clearly pronounces God's solemn judgment against sinful humanity. What's God's standard? Perfection. God's standard is perfect. He requires nothing but total obedience to the entire law. And God's perfect law is for everyone, for Jew and for Gentile alike. Now, in the context of Deuteronomy, God's curse clearly falls on individuals who fail to keep the law. Everyone is obligated to keep God's law. Everybody is obligated to obey God. God's law is not just for Jews as Jews, but it is for human beings as human beings. But not only must we keep God's law, we must continue to keep God's law. It's not something we do one time, it's something we have to do all the time. God, in his word, clearly requires consistent, constant obedience to his revealed will. In fact, when you look at the scriptures, the law must be kept in its entirety. Now think about this for a moment. Again, because what, it is, what is it that the Judaizers are requiring? What is it that they are demanding for a person to truly be justified by God? Obedience to this law. It must be kept in its entirety. Everyone must continue to do everything written in God's law down to the last detail that's the requirement that's the standard and folks when we talk about the law here we're talking here about god's moral law not just merely the rituals that separated the jews from the gentiles and this is critical because this makes a critical difference not only in our interpretation of this section of galatians but it makes All the difference in our interpretation of the very gospel itself, that's the issue at hand. It's not one of these things that we can agree to hold a different opinion about and be okay with it. If we don't get this, we don't get the gospel right. In this verse, the word all is central to the meaning of the Old Testament verse, which concludes an extended condemnation of everyone of every possible violation of God's law and of those who break it the word all is equally central to paul's argument listen to what one new testament uh, scholar says and i quote deuteronomy 27:26 is cited in galatians 3:10 to provide a reason why those relying on the works of the law are under a curse the law, he says, demanded that all precepts be obeyed. So at stake is Paul's purpose in writing Galatians and, by extension, our understanding of the doctrine of justification by faith. So in Ephesians 3.10, in citing Deuteronomy 27.26, Paul is clear about the doctrine of justification by faith. This verse essentially wraps up an exhaustive catalogue of demands that God makes in his law. when Paul writes and I'm, and I'm going to give you the, the NIV rendering of, of Galatians chapter three verse 10 of this section, when Paul writes, "All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, he is in essence here defending the doctrine of justification by faith alone, insisting that no one can be accepted by God through the law unless the law is kept perfectly. By showing of hands how many here have kept the law perfectly this morning. Listen to what James says, James 2.10. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point, has become guilty of all of it. You see why it's a curse? Going by the way of the law is a curse. And the punishment for failing to keep God's perfect standard is God's righteous curse. Every lawbreaker is subject to divine condemnation, which means that since we fall among that group of people who has failed to observe the law perfectly we ourselves are under that curse. There's a, hidden, there's a hidden premise here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. And it's a premise that, that's so obvious that it actually remains unspoken. And here's the premise. We are lawbreakers. We are sinners living in rebellion with God or against God. This is what we call the doctrine of total depravity. And as you've heard me say before, the doctrine of total depravity... Is not about how bad we can be, but about the fact that sin has permeated our entire being. There is no part of us, whether it's body, soul, or spirit, whether it is heart or will or mind, that is not corrupt. That's the point of total depravity. That's the point Paul is making here. The doctrine of total depravity is taught everywhere in Scripture. Let me give you some sample verses that will demonstrate this point. First Kings 8.46 says, There is no one who does not sin. No one. Isaiah 53.6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Romans 3.20, None is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Any exceptions here? Not a single one, except for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So while the Bible says about human nature is confirmed throughout history, not to say that good things haven't happened in human history, but as we think of human history, as we think of our own situation presently around the world, history is a sordid tale of war and woe. Read about what is yet to come in Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel. It's confirmed by our neighbors, by the lies that our co-workers say, by the self-centeredness of the people on our own street, by the petty disagreements within our families, even within our churches. But I'm convinced that the doctrine of total depravity writes its most compelling proof on our own hearts. Our own guilty conscience ought to be enough to convince us that we are all unworthy of God. Let me ask you just rhetorically, do you ever stretch the truth? Do you ever take something that doesn't exactly belong to you? Do you ever speak an unkind word? If so, then God's law condemns you as an accursed liar, thief, and murderer. It's true that everyone without exception is condemned by the curse of the law. So why would anybody ever try to be saved or base their salvation by keeping the law? Sort of the point Paul is making. Everyone who depends on the law is under a curse because the law curses everyone who breaks it. Which, by the way, everyone does. Paul refers specifically to all who rely on the works of the law in in verse 10. It is that same phrase he used in chapter 2 when he contrasted those who are justified by the works of the law with those who are justified by faith. And those who rely on the works of the law are people who want to be accepted by God by their own merits, by what they have done. But that's a legalistic perversion of the law. Why? Anybody seeking to be justified by the law is seeking to accomplish something that according to Scripture is impossible. Do you see why now when Paul says that if we preach any other gospel, what we preach is actually no gospel at all? If the Galatians were to accept what the Judaizers were insisting they must do, any individual who had not yet entered into a personal relationship with Christ and was at this point relying on that new teaching was in essence remaining under the curse, because what he was attempting to achieve, according to Scripture, is impossible. God did not give us the law to make us good. Part of the law's purpose, in fact, was simply to show us how sinful we truly were. Therefore, it is completely hopeless to get right with God by keeping the law. One New Testament commentator says, The law is a matter of performance, and he's right, but a performance that is beyond human possibility. It's impossible. Paul is saying that if justification comes by the law, this is the argument Paul is is making to the Galatians. Be rational about this. Think through the implications of what you're being asked to believe. And here's the implication. If justification did come by the law, we could not be justified because we cannot keep the law. If you accept any other gospel you will never be saved because no other gospel can justify, except the gospel of grace. The Puritan William Perkins explained it this way, and I quote, If we could fulfill the law, we might be justified by the law. But no man can be justified by the law or by works. Therefore no man can fulfill the law. Think through the implications of what it is that you're being taught, told to believe, because it can damn yourself forever. And the problem is not with the law, the problem is is our sin. Since we cannot keep the law, the law simply cannot bless us. All the law can do is curse us. That's all it can do. And it therefore places us under the condemnation of divine wrath.